Hey everyone, so recently I decided to do a thing. After nearly three years and two and a half million downloads, I changed the name of the show from Journey to Manifesting to the Sarah Prout Podcast. Everything is still the same, just with a different name, so I hope you enjoy. This is episode 12 with Yasmin Boland. Welcome to your journey to manifesting. My name is Sarah Prout, best-selling author and creator of The Manifesting Academy. Each week I'll bring you an inspirational message or share powerful conversations with thought leaders, game changers and light workers. The intention here is to motivate you to create the life of your wildest dreams. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Now let the journey to manifesting begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode where I have a very special guest to share with you. Her name is Yasmin Boland, and we're going to be talking about everything to do with the moon and manifesting. This conversation took place a couple of months ago, and my team had a little bit of trouble trying to reduce the echo on the audio. So just give you a heads up that if you can see beyond it, this is a really powerful conversation and one that I still feel extremely compelled to share with you. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Yasmin Boland. She's a journalist turned astrologer and new age writer and author. She's also the host of a popular radio show on Hay House Radio. She's an Australian living in London, and she's also the best-selling author of a book that I highly encourage that you read that we're going to be discussing today in today's episode called Moonology. It's all about how to use the moon in manifesting. Her website, moonology.com, is one of the most popular horoscope sites on the entire internet globally. It has around 700,000 page views a month and over 140,000 dedicated subscribers. She has a strong social media base and she continuously shows up for her audience with such valuable inspiration and information about how they can create their own reality, guide their energy and use the power of astrology to take their lives to the next level. It's my absolute pleasure to have this conversation with Yasmin today. And I know and I trust that you're also going to find it incredibly valuable. So let's get started. So welcome, Yasmin, to the Journey to Manifesting podcast. It's so great to finally have this conversation about the moon and manifesting. Well, I am delighted to speak to you, Sarah. It's so, so wonderful to be able to have this conversation because I know so many of the listeners are extremely curious about how they can start to use the moon in their creation adventures. So... I like to start my podcasts off by asking um, my guests, they have three invitations and they can invite anybody that they like, dead or alive, to a dinner party. So who would you invite and why? Hmm. Okay, I think the first person I would have to invite would be my dad who passed away about um, eight years ago, nine years ago. Uh, And I'd love to see him and I'd make sure my son was at the dinner party as well. Does that count as an invitation? Yes, it does. He can be a plus one. I'd have to get my my father and my son um, because I'd love my dad to see how lovely my son is, you know, eight Mm -hmm. years, nine years after um, my dad passed away. My dad was a really great guy. He was a... A doctor and he's a very caring 
kind man. Mm -hmm. And so that's two. And uh, I think I would have to make my third invitation um, a, a Romanian gymnast called Nadia Comaneci. Oh, how interesting. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. So she was um, she was the probably the person who inspired me, you know, maybe the most when I was growing up as a kid in Tasmania, Australia, mm-hmm. uh, because she was the one who went to the, I think it was the Montreal um, Games and nobody had ever got 10 out of 10 on in the gymnastics before and uh, and she got 10 out of 10 to the point where, uh, to the point where um, they actually had to reinvent the score, scoring system and the score signs because it just said zero, 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 zero because they didn't have, they actually didn't have room for a 10 on there. So, well, I love so that. I have Nadia <laughs> love along for the dinner. Are you sure you don't want one more since your son could be plus one? Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, um, apart from my husband, who of course I would love to be there, but you know he really loves cooking, so he could be cooking he and kind of listening in the background. Yeah. <laughs> strangely enough, it would it would be between Van Morrison, who's an Irish singer that I absolutely love, yes, um, or someone who's oh gosh, I don't know. I keep thinking of the Pope, but I don't know what I'd ask the Pope. What a fascinating evening that would be, I'm sure. <laughs> it would be an interesting evening, wouldn't it? And then you could do all of their astrology. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that would be my lineup. I think. Oh, it's such a fun question. I'm really enjoying hearing all of the different perspectives that people show up with with their dinner party Ah. invitations. I hope that somewhere we can hear yours. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll make sure I do a post on that specifically. I think it would change probably from week to week. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I don't know why I keep thinking of the Pope, but I suppose, you know, he's – you know, maybe the Dalai Lama, some kind of spiritual leader would be amazing. Well, you could ask the Pope all about manifesting. <laughs> exactly. What do you think about this, Pope? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about astrology? Tell me. Yeah, tell, tell church me is, the, the church is a bit mixed on astrology. It is, isn't it? So mm. let, let's dive into that a little bit more and let's talk about the connection between the moon, astrology and manifesting. So. Okay. How do you believe that those elements play together in conscious creation? Okay, so I guess I have to talk about how I kind of got into it myself, which was um, at some point in my astrological studies, uh, which started about 20 years ago, uh, I came across a book called um, New Moon Astrology. It was actually when it came on the market. And it was sort of like every single hair on my body stood up and uh, and I was like, oh, my God, I have to have this book. It was like I heard my calling, basically, and which has happened to me a few times over in my career in various ways. When I first – I was initially – I was a journalist and, like, that was a kind of a calling for sure. And then I morphed into this person who was not so much a straight journalist but writing about esoteric matters and then my astrology practice started to become something I wrote about. And then I came – this book, New Moon Astrology, which was by someone – uh, who has sadly passed away. And um, so I thought, okay, I've got to get this book. I've got to get this book. And I ordered it and it just changed my life. I was so excited to get it. And I think it was a past life memory mm. uh, because once I started to learn about um, New Moon Astrology, uh, the author was Jan Spiller, Um Once I started to learn about it, it, it's like everything came flooding back to me about how important it is to 
make your wishes and set your intentions at the time of the new moon. And I then realised sort of very, very quickly that um, witches and, you know, sorceresses have been doing this for, you know, millennia basically um, and uh, that the new moon was always considered the time to make wishes and set intentions and, and cast spells if you're into casting spells, which I don't really cast spells because I don't really know anything about casting spells. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I suppose, a very stripped-back version of what uh, – magical women have done for literally literally thousands and thousands of years. Mm. Uh, the only problem being that um, at some point um, a few hundred years ago, you know, they started burning women at the stake yeah. <laughs> doing this. Yeah. So women stopped doing it because you wouldn't really want to get burnt at the stake if you could possibly avoid it, obviously. Mm. And so I actually think what happened was that, you know, this is um, ancient uh, wisdom that's been around and then because of what happened with the witch hunts, um, I think that women started to – this information went underground for a start, mm-hmm. uh, but now it's kind of almost disappeared. And, you know, I mean, you know, one of the things that happened with the witch hunts was that, um, you know, because the women who made the spells and, you know, who did magic under the new moon, uh, they were very, very powerful beings who, you know, knew exactly when – how to work with the seasons and, and the – the moons of the year and so on, and also knew about things such as, you know, lotions and potions and tinctures to help make people better. Mm-hmm. And um, according to reading I've been doing quite recently, uh, what actually happened was that as um, the medical profession started to kind of get its act together and move beyond leeches and, you know, draining people's blood to try and make them better, um, it, it, you know, initially it was only kings and queens who would ever get the attentions of a doctor. And I just said earlier, my dad was a doctor, so I'm not anti- anti-medical profession. Uh, but what happened was that basically it became, you know, either you go to the doctor and you pay for your medicines, which is what we have today, or you could go to the wise woman who was going to help you make spells and give you lotions and potions. And so women basically got sidelined because the whole medical profession changed and women were kind of pushed out and they were burned at the stake and they were made fun of. I mean, now, you know, people make fun of people who do what I do, which is, um, you know, to make wishes at the time of the new moon and to do full moon ceremonies, uh, you know, in the mainstream, you know, I've had people who I used to work with, there was one friend in particular who I used to work with and I was working as a TV producer and we got back in touch um, on Facebook and, and I told him what I'm doing now and and he kind of wrote back instantly laughing going, yeah, yeah, you know, that are unicorns. And I was like... So, so that's kind of what's happened to the ancient knowledge. We, we've had it made fun of, we've been burnt for it, yeah. you know, we've been sidelined. Now, I personally think this is something that's been around forever and ever and ever. It's certainly not something I invented, um, but it's something I'm really, really passionate about. Oh, it's so interesting to me because I, I feel like there's a double standard as well because of the farming industry, because they use the moon so much to yeah. to govern when they put the, the seeds in the ground to, to cultivate the harvest. So it, mm. it is such a double standard, but the moon obviously can be used for such incredibly powerful intentions. Yeah. So, so how do you deal with skeptics? I mean, this is this is something that you and I have in common because we're in a very similar space when it comes yeah. to the power of uh, conscious creation and manifesting. And you know, how do you objection handle the people that would say, "Well, there's absolutely no correlation," or the, the science-based people that would say, "Well, yes, the the moon affects the tides, but it doesn't necessarily affect the water that's in our body." Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard because. You know, I'm quite a passionate person, so if someone starts to kind of 
uh, the little what is effectively becoming my life's work, and that's not to sound too, you know, grandiose, but it is. Like, it is becoming what I'm doing in my career. I think I've been doing this longer than I was a journalist or a TV producer for. Um, I definitely feel like it's my life purpose. And I get anything from... Um, oh, you're a feeble-minded female. Uh, that was one boyfriend, actually. Um, we were kind of breaking up just as I got into astrology. Um, it sounds like a blessing to, in disguise. Yeah, exactly. Um, to, you know, surely you don't believe that, Yeah. which is kind of saying, you know, like there's no evidence, but also it can even tip into, you know, surely you're just pulling everyone's leg, surely you're just taking everyone for a ride, which is, an absolute insult to my integrity. I mean, as if I'm going to spend my life doing something that I think is not true, that it's not real. I mean, if you even know me slightly, you know I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically used to try and convince people and I'd give them this couple of books to read which have been written by people who were kind of trying to disprove astrology and who got converted in the process. And I, I do that sometimes. Um, and... Sometimes I, you know, get angry and have an argument, which doesn't serve me at all. Uh, and and sometimes I I just sort of try to say slightly mysteriously, which is the absolute truth, you know, it's worked in my life in ways that you just could not imagine. So I don't, you know, and, and which then is the implicit, I honestly, truly don't really care what you think. You know, the most important thing to me is that uh, my son and my husband and my family and my friends, you know, at least some of them, but especially my son and my husband and my family, my mum and my sister, you know, I really hope they get it. Mm-hmm. And if anybody else doesn't get it, you know, I mean, I'm obviously not I want my best friends to get it as well, but not all of them can. And then everybody else, well, you know, if you don't get it, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, I just can't be dealing with, you know, fighting the fight for astrology and moonology uh, with people who don't get it. It's like, I mean, I've got a, a friend who I won't mention who it is, but it's it's one of the most, um, I mean, he's a super-duper successful person. And, uh, like, multi-multi-millions, more, more money than, you know, most, most um, I don't know, Hollywood actors that you can think of at the top of their game or whatever because his, his income's been published, which is how I know. And, and he, we had a dinner um, in London last year and um, he took me out to this wonderful, wonderful sort of Michelin star restaurant. You know, he's very generous, which is another thing, of course, when you're generous, you travel money. Um, but we were talking quite honestly about this and, and he actually kind of admitted to me that, uh, you know, he thinks there's something in all this. And he basically suggested, you know, the world is kind of like in a sort of Harry Potter kind of way. It's divided into magical people and muggles. And the magical people get it and the muggles don't. And that's just the way it is. Oh, I love, so, I love that. Yeah. So it's that's so true. Though. Way I kind of I think of it in my head. If someone's being a complete muggle, sometimes I'll say to my son, Louie, Oh, don't worry, darling, they're just a complete muggle. Just ignore them. And it's so good to have that kind of shorthand. You know, which is like they don't get it. They don't understand it. You can try and teach them, but at the same time, why would you waste your time if they're going to be, you know, because some people can get quite rude about it as well, frankly. Absolutely. So what would you suggest if somebody's just on that uh, brink of awareness of wanting to know more about astrology? Should they keep the information that they feel excited about to themselves or should they share it? 
Yeah, good question. I would honestly say keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in a funny way, this relates back to something I asked you about a few yeah. months ago uh, when we were talking about should you tell people what you've manifested or should you keep it to yourself and, you know, will there be jealousy if you say to people, oh, I manifested, you know, this amazing house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we sort of, you, your very wise advice was, um, you know, basically don't tell anyone what you're manifesting until you've manifested it. Mm. And, you know, if, if, if at all possible, unless, you know, you know they're really, really, really on your side, like your husband or whatever. And um, I think it comes down to that as well. I think while you're hatching something, you don't necessarily want to tell people. So if you're learning astrology, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go around and tell everyone because there are so many muggles out there who are going to go, oh, you don't believe that rubbish, do you? That it might put you off and that might be your path to understand this, you know, um, and the way astrology works, I believe, is, is because everything's connected to all life everywhere. So all you're doing by learning astrology is you're just learning one secret way of reading the way astrology, the way the planets are, and are, we are connected. So, you know, like you're learning kind of sacred knowledge. You don't really want anyone to put you off um, because, you know, they don't get it. It was so incredible when I had that conversation with you. My mother was staying and she flew over to Las Vegas from Australia and she uh, she lost her partner a few years ago to cancer and she hasn't really talked about finding love and you did her astrology and sure enough, within two weeks, she met somebody that she fell deeply in love with. And so that was a beautiful confirmation. Not that we need it. You know, the, the true believers don't seek the proof. But um, it's always interesting, especially for my mother, because she has studied astrology for such a long time that she didn't actually predict that in her own life. <laughs> oh, there you go. I mean, the thing is, once you become really adept at astrology, you actually start to realize that, um, you know, it's not purely just about prediction. It's also about the energies and the opportunities. And so you start to use it in a different way. So she may have kind of gone to that next level where you start to kind of, you kind of know that really all it does is it shows you where your opportunities lie. Mm. And you stop looking at your own chart because you start realising that a lot of it is also about how you think, which is, you know, something you know all about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was so happy about that because it is a bit of a – and there was a slightly out there prediction. I can't remember what the astrology was. But I remember thinking, well, I'm going to have to tell her. It really looks like she's going to meet someone, so hopefully she will. Yeah, she did. I don't know whether it's going to last, but she's extremely happy for now. So. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it, it, it's good. So – it's really from what I'm hearing you saying here there really is this perfect almost marriage between astrology and manifesting that has this conscious awareness around it that you still have the ability to guide your energy because I see so many people believe what psychics say and believe that that's it you know they take it so literally and take it as a definitive outcome when really it's an opportunity to either choose a different path or go in that direction and and show up no matter what appears in their reality yeah, yeah. Look, astrology is uh, perfect for manifesting. And, you know, the more I kind of go down my path um, and the more excited I get about my new paths, the more I'm going down those paths about teaching people how to use astrology for manifesting because it's like a roadmap. So, like with the new moons, for example, there are 12 new moons a year, usually sometimes there's 13. Mm-hmm. And there are 12 parts of your chart. There's your 
your period zones sort of how you come across to the world, which is um, your first house, then there's your second house, which is cash, property, and possessions, and then there's your third house, which is communications, your fourth house, which is family, and so on. So as the new moon goes through every single house of your chart, in fact, that is the perfect time for you to start manifesting regarding whatever that house is about. So, for example, just say it's about your um, your communications. Then you might, every every year when you have that new moon in your third house of communications, then that would be the time for you to think, okay, what do I need to manifest? What do I need to change? What intentions do I need to set? Mm-hmm. So. You know, because there's going to be changes coming whenever there's a new moon, for example, or a full moon, there's going to be changes coming in that part of your life. So that's the time to kind of live really consciously and really intentionally and to say, right, now I'm going to work on such and such. Mm. So I'm actually developing um, lots and lots of online courses all about this right now. I'm right in the middle of it. Oh, I'm so um, excited about that. I mean, for those of you that are listening, Check out Yasmin's book, which is called Moonology. I was so excited to see a friend of mine in San Diego share it on her Instagram story the other day. Oh, I thought, yay. oh, that's great. I love seeing this this book circulating around the world because it's such a great way of understanding the connection between manifesting and the moon and astrology. So tell me yeah. more about the courses that are coming out. So what I've done is I've, uh, for ages, I've been, uh, I've had a members area for about, I don't know, three years. But because Moonology, the book came out uh, with Hay House about over, just over a year ago, it came out in July last year. And, uh, and it's done really, really well. It's like stayed in the top 10 of the astrology bestseller section on Amazon. And so people that like your friends sharing it, people are still sharing it. People, women are really, really, really getting the whole moon thing. And my website of the same name, moonology always had kind of a bit of moonology and a bit of astrology so what i've decided to do is to take the astrology out and put that on another site okay and i, I was in india recently in uh, february and i go to this particular ashram and i and they have this thing called a star path which is like shaped like a star if you see it on you know from a drone above it it's a star mm-hmm. and uh, you're supposed to just walk around it and just think and commune with the divine and, and all this it's amazing and um, as I was walking along, I got this really, really loud message that said, disband the moon club. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, because we've got lots of members and it's all been going really well. But I always listen to my intuitions, especially when I'm, you know, yeah. somewhere like the sacred path in India. And so I did it. And now it's all kind of come to me, okay, so basically the moon club's going to change and I'm going to have things like how to work on, you know, on your – Love life with the moon, how to work financially with the moon. We're going to do 30 days because the moon takes 30 days to go around the chart, mm-hmm. plus we'll do annual things. So it's just it's really a way of helping people to focus yeah. on uh, their chart and I'm going to try and encourage people to use their rising signs because that gets you even more accurate information mm-hmm. and just to use the moon to manifest uh, in every single part of your life. So, you know, new moon in your seventh house, time to work on your love life. New moon in your eighth house, time to work on your sex life. New moon in your tenth house, time to work on your career. So I'm just going to guide people like that. Plus I'm, I'll do things like with angels as well because I love working with angels. And yeah, I know. So there's you lots wrote a coming with, up. You wrote a book with Doreen Virtue, didn't you? I That's did. It. Yeah, I that would have been really yes. interesting. It's, it's so funny you mentioned angels because I, I watched a video that you did um, I think it was a little while ago when you were doing a presentation in a bookshop and you were calling upon the Archangel Michael 
and the Archangel right. Gabriel as well. And I, I just felt so inspired by that. You could see, you turned the camera around and you showed the faces of the people in the room and there was this energy, this this total, uh, I don't know what it was. It was like this excitement of what was possible. So I'm so excited for you, Yasmin. Mean, I can see that this is going to be such an incredible time for you in terms of the, the growth of your mission and your message. It's just amazing. Yeah. No, it feels like a, a period of growth. Yeah. And I had um, I had five weeks off over summer, which I didn't have last year because I was writing two books last year. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I mean, for anyone listening who's feeling stuck, if you can in any way, shape or form take a decent break, I mean, not, obviously not everyone can get five weeks. I was really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've come back sort of so inspired and really ready to sort of push out there and and do more stuff um but with the angels it's really interesting the angels basically came and found me um so that's been quite interesting as well i think the angels i think um people are starting to respond more to the angels than ever before and uh yeah yeah do you work with angels at all Look, I haven't. I have got um, specific modules in my Manifesting Academy, which is all about how to connect to your spirit guide. So I briefly touch on angels. I've only had a few experiences directly with angels before or what I would interpret as angels. So, I mean, it gets into that kind of zone of um, how do I put it? You know how sometimes you don't know whether you can open up and share those experiences? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I yeah. have to because yeah. it's in a public space and it's like yeah. um, it, it's so important that people remember that this guidance is there for them when they need it. And so often, I mean, there's countless stories of people that have had experiences with angels. Yeah, absolutely. Guides. It's kind of hard to deny the existence of them because it's also perfectly perfectly constructed <laughs> yeah yeah if anybody who's listening would like to um start their inquiry into the existing existence of angels i actually read an amazing book um it's written in french but i read it i read the translation in english um but a french journalist wrote it who kind of got you know the angels basically came knocking on his door and changed his life he was just a, like a hard drinking smoking journalist in paris and uh, it's called an inquiry into the existence of guardian angels and it's just amazing i mean i won't go into it but if anyone's interested it kind of makes you think okay yeah it seems like there really are angels because he's he's managed to i won't Go into details of how, but he's got hundreds of case studies, and it's amazing. So, highly recommended if anyone's interested. It's so inspiring, it really is. Yeah, it is. So, you live in London, you were from Australia. Have you noticed a difference in the mindsets in different places in terms of their openness to learning about astrology, the moon, manifesting, and angels? Well, it's a good question. I mean, the, the energy in the two countries, countries, I don't know if you've noticed in America or there, but to me, the energy in Australia is uh, completely different to the energy in England. Mm. So in England, I feel very strongly connected to the land. Uh, I feel the whole Celtic Druid thing, the whole history, the witches, the, you know, there are still witches with their cauldrons up on Dartmoor on a regular basis. Um, you know, it's still going on. And there's really that strong feeling of um, just that whole English vibe that goes back and back through the centuries. Um, the energy in Australia, I find, is it, it, I find is overwhelmingly of the Aboriginals. Yes. Um, the, the song lines. And I, I feel that really strongly in Australia. Mm. Um, and in a way, it's easier for me in England because I don't know enough about 
the Aboriginal energies in a way. I'm not, I don't have that history, I don't have that culture. Mm-hmm. So in a way I find, but then at the same time there's a newness in Australia where new information uh, is accepted quite openly and quite readily. So, you know, and plus obviously the, you know, the majestic beauty of Australia is a wonderful place for doing energetic work, whereas here in London the energy is really dense mm-hmm. and, uh, and it can be quite... Um, it can be quite challenging to continue to do your daily meditation practice, for example, in a place where the energy is really dense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'd be interested to know if like you, because gosh, you live in Las Vegas, don't you, which must be one of the most strange energies on the planet. Like, you know, everyone goes there to win money or something. Yeah, right? it, it's so interesting or because... bachelor weekends. Yeah, well, yeah, Sin City, as it's called. But right. it, it is so interesting. That's why I would... Well, not the Sin, obviously, or the, the kind of darker energies, but there is a very beautiful grounded energy in Las Vegas that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. So there's, right. I, I live close to a place called Red Rock. And so it's that almost, it almost looks like Australia, you know, the, the middle of Australia right, the, yeah. or the Northern Territory, that kind of really earth energy, that earth um, magic or the, the plant medicine of the Native American people. They, yeah, there's yeah. like this there's this weird balance, this contrast between the two. So in my home, for example, on one view out the front, you can see the entire Las Vegas Strip. So at nighttime, you see all those twinkling lights and you can feel that craziness, but we're kind yeah. of distanced from it. And then out the other window, you've got, I've got this beautiful view of the mountain ranges and it's such a, a huge contrast. Wow. And I feel like I'm right in the middle of it and yeah. I can choose which energetic playground to dabble in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. And, and from a manifesting point of view, what an interesting place as well, because, you know, some people go there and, you know, win a fortune that changes their life, and some people go there and manifest losing everything practically, don't they? So it's a, it's a high-energy place from that point of view with people, you know, taking all those risks and things like that. So it is. Well, and it's also an opportunity to choose love over fear because with, with my work, and I don't know whether you've noticed this in your space, that people tend to get afraid of what's going to happen to them. So they, yeah. they could be afraid or they feel like they're jinxed or they've got limiting beliefs that they don't feel like they're worthy enough to create yeah. a life for themselves. And that becomes a really uh, soulful challenge to, to kind of yeah. rise above it. That is a big thing. So, so just, just to bring, bring it back to, you know, moonology, yeah. um, when the moon is in your second house, mm-hmm. that, for example, would be the time to work on those issues about any self-limiting beliefs you might have, any fears. Fears can also work in the 12th house. But, like, so if you know your um, – actually, I thought I've got your chart here, but I don't seem to have it. Or else I've saved it somewhere I can't find it. But do you remember your rising sign? Oh, gosh. I think it might have been Capricorn. Right. So in which case, if that's the case, and it's the next sign, so in that case it's uh, Aquarius. Mm-hmm. So when the moon is in Aquarius once a month, if you wanted to work with the moon, uh, you could work – well, actually, you could work um, either when the moon is in Sagittarius on your fears, mm-hmm. and uh, when the moon's in Aquarius, that's your second house, you could work on your self-esteem, your self-worth if you, if you have or have issues. Okay. So that's – I mean, I just want to throw that in for anyone. I mean, kind of need to know a bit of astrology to understand what I just said. But, you know, yes, you can work on yourself and you've got to work on stuff like that. Because, But then, as you say, maybe it's as simple as a choice of love over fear. Yeah, but I I also believe that when you have a resource as powerful as your book, Moonology, it really breaks it down so it's very easy to understand. 
And I feel like it takes the overwhelm because a lot of people go, oh, 12, 12 signs, you know, where do I start? And I love the way that you've broken it down into those specific affirmations as well of how people can start to explore those different themes. Oh, well, thank, thank you, Sarah. Sarah. I, was I was actually, actually um, very inspired by your site at the time that I was writing that book, so I'm sure oh, you get some of your energy in there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you were just on fire at the period that I was writing that book. Oh, gosh, it's so crazy to think back. The last couple of years has been like a big blur. <laughs> I think you were just, just about to fall pregnant. pregnant. It was just before oh, you yeah. pregnant. Yeah. Gosh. So have you got another book in the works? Well, what I'm working on right now, so last year I wrote two books. I wrote Moonology and I also wrote a book called um, Astrology, which is also with Hay House. And it's about for anybody who wants to uh, learn astrology, it's a really, really, it's as simple as you can make it. I mean, it's not a simple subject, but it's not a big book. Um, and I've had tons and tons of feedback on it that people actually said this is the first time I've ever understood astrology. Um, so I wrote that last year. So I literally wrote two books in one year and it nearly you know, no, I'm not going to say killed me, but it <laughs> maimed me quite badly. Plus, I barely saw my family for a year. Oh, gosh. Um, so I said to Hay House, I don't really want to write anything else, any other books for a while. And they were like, no, that's fine. What about a set of Oracle cards? And I was like, cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm writing um, some uh, Moonology Oracle cards, which will basically be based on the moon. Um, and But we'll, we'll give you predictions, but we'll also um, – teach you about the moon and they're going to come out next year and I'm also doing something else I'm really excited about uh, which I'm excited about because well but the other thing I'm triply excited about because I think people are going to love it I know I will it's actually like a moon diary oh that's so, exciting yeah by by year so it will help oh, wow. you You'll go like, this is when the new moon is, you know, quick guide so you know what part of your chart it's illuminating, you know, which chakras to work on, affirmations, mantras, um, you know, worksheets, all that kind of stuff. So I'm super duper excited about that as well. That'll come out um, next year as well. So that's what I'm working on. So exciting. Oh, wow. That's great. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you're working on a book as well, aren't you? I am, yeah. Like it's it's all coming together. I've got sticky notes all over my office right now. You know what it's like to write a book. It's chaos. It's 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 much harder than you think it's going to be. It is. Yeah. But everybody has a story. Towards the end of the final edit, I'm always like, it's so much harder to sit to write a book than you think it's going to be. Like, I've written about five now or more, I don't know. But every time I'm like, no, it's always harder than you think it's going to be. <laughs> it really is. So do you Which use- is a kind of a negative affirmation, I suppose, isn't it? But it's just like, it's what I think. I'm always like, I thought I was going to get this done in you know, half the time. <laughs> so funny. It's so true, though. <laughs> Uh, so do you use anything else to support you with your spiritual practice so do you use crystals or essential oils or anything like that uh, I kind of base my spiritual practice around meditation. Mm-hmm. So, and I've learned various kinds of meditation over the years, um, including um, well, Gita Bellin's method, who was quite big in Australia for a while, transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting um, a mantra, um, which uh, well, I did natural meditation for a while. But then I went to India and I, I found a teacher there at this ashram where I go to uh, where I've got a kind of a universal mantra, which I can say, which is Om Namo Narayani, which basically means I surrender to the divine. Um, so I do that as my as like the central practice of my um, spiritual path. Um, 
But also I picked up a lot of um, sort of little bits and bobs in India over the years. So it's really, really lovely, for example, to uh, light, a ca- light a ghee candle. Mm. Um, and uh, I also I quite often will ring a bell. So I just try and do things that are going to raise my vibration mm-hmm. um, because my, my belief is as well when it comes to manifesting, uh, what you need to do is you need to raise your vibration. Mm. And um, once you start to raise your vibration, which, you know, you can do by choosing love over fear for a start, you know, mm-hmm. meditating, exercise, um you know, thinking about what you're putting in your body, yeah. but also things like high vibrational music. So, I mean, it could be anyone, but someone like David Pramal, for example, people mm-hmm. know them. They're very high vibrational singers, ringing bells, burning sage, uh, lighting ghee, lighting incense, all those things raise your vibration. Mm-hmm. And so I use them in my... Um, I'd like to say daily spiritual practice, but I, I don't want to give a false impression to people who say, oh, I don't know, I could never do it daily. I don't do it daily. I don't. I would love to. I just don't. You know, something will happen and, you know, suddenly I have to be outdoor or whatever. It doesn't happen every day, but it happens as often as I can do it. And I especially do it before I do uh, my new moon wishes every month um, because I think that basically the higher our vibration, uh, the the more aligned we are to the high vibration of the universe, and that's when it's e- even easier to manifest. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, go, 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 go to say. Oh, I was just. Well, saying. the reason I asked you about crystals and things like that was because of the connection that there are between crystals and the moon, and how people put out their crystals on a full moon to clean them. I wanted to get your your perspective on that as well. Yeah, look, I definitely recommend that and I do it. And, um, I mean, here in London, we have a lot of foxes, would you believe? So you have to be very careful when you leave your stuff out overnight um, because foxes or, you know, cats and dogs can take them away. Um, but assuming they're not going to be taken away by wild animals, um, really a great idea. Um, the other thing that, that I should mention, though, and, and, you know, you've got my book so you know this, but for people who are listening and who don't get it, it's really important not just to do your new moon wishes. That's a really big thing for me. And the whole waxing cycle, which is the moon growing from new to full, that's the time to be manifesting. But then at the full moon, it's a really, really good time to harness the energy that comes up. We all know the full moon, emotions rise to the surface. Everyone starts to go loony, which obviously comes from the word lunar. Um, and so all these emotions come up. At school, we we all, you know, we're, as children, we're not taught how to deal with all this stuff that comes up. Um, but what I recommend, sort of, this is something I kind of come up with more than a lot of the other stuff is really traditional stuff. This is something I kind of came up with because it's logical. All these emotions come up. When better than to deal with all our stuff than when our emotions are all coming up at the time of the full moon? Mm. I totally agree. And you know something that's really interesting? I'm, I'm part of some uh, some women's groups. Um, a lot of these uh, spiritually, consciously aware women, their cycles, their monthly cycles can pair up with the moon. Yeah. It's absolutely, fascinating. Absolutely. Women are so connected to the moon. That's why... Um, I mean, maybe you don't. I don't know if you know about it, but like in my life, because I'm focused on the moon, I'm so aware of the fact. It's like this whole thing. It's like a wave that's building and building and building. Like, you know, 
the person who commissioned my book for her house was right on the tip because she said, absolutely, I want it and I want it now when I suggested it. There is so much moon energy coming. I don't know what it is, but I think it's part of the whole re-emergence of the divine feminine. And as we said at the start of this chat, you know, a lot of this information has been suppressed or lost or, you know, put away because of fear. And it's all coming out now just at the time that people are saying, you know, the divine feminine is re-emerging. Uh, the goddess is coming back and you know the moon is absolutely connected to the, to the divine feminine and women are all connected to the divine feminine and we're all connected to the moon so it all kind of it's all just pieces of a jigsaw mm-hmm. well, I've, got, I've got three daughters so the moon <laughs> i notice that they go a little bit crazy on the full moon <laughs> so yeah, yeah absolutely little lunatics exactly Exactly. But even what you're doing, you're pulling all this old information out as well. This is stuff that everybody's known, but, you know, you've just managed to to strike a chord with people. I mean, you've really inspired me and other people. I know that. I mean, I've got friends in Australia who say, have you heard of this Sarah Proud? I'm like, yeah, I know. She's amazing, isn't she? And you're bringing all this stuff back. All this information is coming back. And I don't know what it is, but it's all coming up now. It is. It is. And the the people that are that are stepping forward, I've got some really incredible guests that are coming on the show soon that are going to also tell very similar stories of how we can start to activate this, as you call it, very ancient wisdom. It's so it's so amazing. It's so fun. Yeah, no, it is amazing and fun, exactly. <laughs> and and kind of like, wow, they should teach us this at school, you know? Oh, yeah, they should. They definitely should. But they probably won't. <laughs> no, they won't because they don't want us to know, I think. Yeah, I know, I know. But I'd love unstoppable. Gosh, I'd love to see. I mean, even just down to basic diet and what to eat, you should see some of the school menus that they have here. It's scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's I can crazy. imagine. I'm <laughs> sure it's the same in England. So – what would you say is your greatest manifestation to date? Um, well, it would have to be. You know, this is where my instant fear of talking about my successful manifestations rises up in me. But it's okay. No, we've been married 10 years now. I think we're pretty strong as a couple. No, we've definitely been meeting my husband. Okay. I went to Paris um, just really on the off chance. I was actually living in Sydney. I went to London to see some friends and I actually went to New York as well. And then somebody said to me, here, go to Paris. You can have the keys to my flat. I'm not there. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went to Paris. The night I got there, I was single and, you know, out of a broken heart, you know, nearly nearly decimated me, all this stuff. And I went to Paris and I thought, right, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go to the Eiffel Tower. I actually happened to get there on the night of the full moon. I thought, I'm going to the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to make my new moon wishes under the moon, under the Eiffel Tower. And, you know, the guy that I spoke to, on the tube, I told him about it. He said, Oh, if that was me, I'd be wishing for love. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. And then I met someone else there who said, Oh, I'd be wishing for love. All these men were telling me about how they were wishing for love. And I thought, Isn't it interesting? I mean, they're all French, they're all a bit more, you know, romantic. But anyway, so I wished for, I, I wished um, to live in Paris and I wished to find love. And I ended up living in, I, mean, I was only there for five days and I ended up staying for two and a half years and coming back um, engaged and pregnant. So to me, that was my best ever. Uh, and I did it a few times, a um, few months in a row, but um, yeah, that was my best manifestation. Wow. So 10 years ago. Wow, that's incredible. That was uh, more than 10 years. Oh, more than 10 years. I'm safe to, I'm just over 10 years. So I'm safe to talk about it, I think, please. God, touch I think you are. Yes, touch wood quick. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah that's not bragging. I, I had this idea that, you know, <laughs> the Eiffel Tower's got the spire at the top of it. Mm. So I, I just had this idea that I made my wishes and I put my hand on, hand on my heart chakra. Yeah. As I made my wishes, I said them out loud and I lifted my arm from my heart chakra up to above my head with a really loud, so be it. And I sort of had this idea that my wishes were going up through, you know, one of the great monuments in one of the most romantic cities in the world, up into the heavens. And, you know, oh, that's such a beautiful love. visual. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. Go. Well, I just want to take a moment to honor you, Yasmin, for the work that you do in the world. And thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom and sharing the importance and the power of astrology and the new moon and manifesting with the world. Well, Sarah, I'd like to honour you as well because I think you are doing amazing work as well and I'm so glad that we connected. Oh, thank you so much. We'll have to have this conversation again sometime. I'd love to have you back on the show and we can talk about your new membership and your new products and your new projects. Sure. And, and we, we can, can talk, talk about, about the full moon a bit more as well. Yes, that would be great. Okay. Thank you so much, Yasmin. My, My absolute pleasure. pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Gosh, that was such an incredible and insightful conversation. This is why I love having conversations with Yasmin because we always talk about the topics that really peel back the layers of manifesting and spirituality. So please do check out her book, Moonology, and go to her website, moonology.com, which I'll be linking to in the show notes. So make sure you go to sarahprout.com and check out the podcast episodes to search for Yasmin Boland's episode. If you like today's episode, please make sure that you click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. And if you feel inspired, leave an honest review or even a piece of feedback about what you'd like to see on future episodes. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I am so grateful to have connected with you and had this opportunity to show you more about how the moon works with your manifesting journey. And if you're interested in taking your manifesting journey to that next level, make sure that you check out the Manifesting Academy. The Manifesting Academy is the world's leading online space for all things to do with the law of attraction and spirituality. You'll also have exclusive access to our soul tribe of highly inspired, like-minded kindred spirits. I know you'll love it. So go to manifestingacademy.com for all of the information. Until next time, enjoy your journey to manifesting.